Matt, what is your best experience so far in education? Easy, mate. Must be last year when I was out in South Africa teaching as an international volunteer. Learned so much about myself, both personally and professionally. And to be honest with you, I can't wait to go out and do it again, but this time somewhere new. Well, that's ideal. I might have something right up your street, mate. I know a charity called Learn, Achieve, Become, and they've got some class projects over in Madagascar, Kenya and Central America, and they look to provide free education to children who need it most. Sounds absolutely perfect, mate. Where can I sign up? Well, firstly, go and check out their website at www.learnachievebecome.org and you can get all the information on there about their projects that they've got ongoing right now and also how to become a volunteer as well. Perfect. And where can I find them on Instagram? At learn underscore achieve underscore become. And make sure you're following at the Teachers of Tomorrow so we can guide you in the right direction if you want to become a volunteer. Hey guys, and welcome back to the latest Teachers of Tomorrow podcast episode with your co-host, Matt, soon to be Mr. Aldring. And your co-host, Sam, soon to be Mr. Gregory. And we are here to share our journey, experiences and views on all things education. Yes, guys, welcome back to another Teachers of Tomorrow podcast episode with myself, co-host Sam. We're here, it's a Friday night when we're recording and today, tonight even, we're delighted to say that we're joined by Katie Hemmings, current year one teacher. Um, a lot of you will know her from her Instagram account at Katie's Classroom. Katie, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm good. It's Friday. That's, it's you know, Friday. That's it's Friday. It's half End term. of the term, yeah. Yeah, it's good vibes. That's what we need right now. Vibes are what we're here to bring tonight. I can assure you of that. We are we are here, you know, like I say, half terms come. We rearrange and I feel like it's going to benefit the podcast episode. I feel like the rearrangement is is a good thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it was it Wednesday or we were meant to do it? Mate, that that would have been long. That would have been <laughs> the, the place that I was in Wednesday. Oh, my it was like hump day times a hundred. It was long. It was, yeah. Panic stations with the observation the next day. Is that what it was? <laughs> I just needed. I just needed to get get through to half term, mate. To be honest with you, it's just just yeah. been a. It's been long. <laughs> it's good. You look good tonight, mate. Though. You got a nice little uh, nice little polo on. Looks you say well. that. Hair's looking not, decent. I'm impressed. Yeah, no. You say that, but I've not actually got change since I've come back from school. So this is not for the podcast. This is because <laughs> I've not organised myself enough to get ready for the podcast. This is what this is what I look like in school. So if you're saying that I look look alright tonight, that I'm, I'm doing something right in school, then I. And there was me. You think you were trying to impress the guests, but no, nope, clearly not. Just <laughs> just lazy. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. I've I've just got the t-shirt on, so that you know. Sorry, Katie. Sorry, guys. Oh, no, I've gone for cozy vibes myself. So yeah, that's it. We'll allow it. We've um, covered all aspects. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Casual, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Smart. Yeah, you know what I mean. Smart, cash, perfect. Right in the cozy. middle. Cozy. Um, and before we get into it, Katie, just introduce yourself to the listeners. I mean, I'm sure most of them have, have, are following you, etc. With the with the huge numbers that you've got on the gram, but. Do uh, just introduce yourself a little bit, a little bit more to the listeners, please. Um, yeah, so I always find it really funny when you have to introduce yourself. Um, it's always that like, awkward moment, isn't it? Like, what? How much do you say? <laughs> <laughs> say what you want, please. Say what you want. <laughs> um, yeah, my Instagram account has twenty thousand followers, which is a little bit crazy. Round of applause! Congratulations. Um, thank you. It's yeah, absolutely mad. 
Um, not quite sure how that's happened to me, but um, yeah, I've been teaching, this is my third year teaching, um, but I've been in education a while. And yeah, I'm 28, East Midlands based, but yeah, absolutely just really, really passionate about teaching, really passionate about particularly like key stage one kind of continuous provision, learning through play. That's what I'm all about. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. Being a teacher, really just passionate teacher. People tell me I work too much. <laughs> oh, people but, tell me I work too little. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even started yet, so that's good. Um, I feel like you've undersold yourself slightly there, Katie. I'm just going to really? beat you up a little bit. You know, you've got a fantastic account. You've come up with some really great ideas, especially for Key Stage 1. I know that's something we'll get into later that you're, you're obviously passionate about at Key Stage 1. And, and with both of us being in Key Stage 1 at the moment, we... Um, you know, really benefited from from some of your videos, and I know a lot of people. Hence, the number of, of followers will be benefiting from your videos as well. Yeah. So, you played yourself down a little bit there, but do not worry. Um, I'll big you up, and so will Sam. So that's absolutely fine. Um, before Sam jumps into the questions and, and as a little chat, just don't forget to follow Katie on at Katie's Classroom after this. Um, of course, stick with us at the Teachers of Tomorrow on Instagram and at TFT Pod on on Twitter. And by all means, just do get in touch. We're always we're always here, always happy to chat. Always, DMs always open, aren't they, Katie? So yeah, that's uh, that's how we roll. But yeah, Sam, fire away with the uh, with the questions. We can get the ball rolling. Yeah, and I think, like Matt said, he spoke about how you've just undersold yourself, and that, and I'll and I'll say that again, really, because I. I think you have, and I think the route that you've taken into teaching that we we would dive into into this um, into this podcast is really interesting. It's quite unique, and I think your story is quite remarkable of actually how you've ended up in, in teaching. Um, but to start with, had you always wanted to be a teacher, or was it something you felt passionate about after your experience of being a TA? Mm. Um, thank you for that. That is nice. I always find it it's it's always odd, isn't it, to kind of talk about yourself in that kind of way. Um, we do it all the time. It's not, <laughs> uh, you know, no one else will do it for us. So we, yeah, yeah, so we, we we've got to pick ourselves up. I should take a leave out of me, but um, no, I think, yeah, I have always wanted to be a teacher. I think it was a, it was a bit of a journey to kind of discover how I wanted to do that. Um, because I had quite a few ideas of what I wanted to do, but um, I knew I wanted to teach. My my dad is kind of a teacher, not like, not like a primary school teacher or a secondary school teacher, but he has his own business um, teaching adults. Um, and he, when I was at school, I kind of struggled a bit with, particularly with maths. Um, I sort of, I got kind of put into like what they would call a top set, you know, in secondary. And I thought, this is not where I should be. I feel like I'm drowning. It's just not the right place for me at all. Um, but my dad sort of, literally taught himself the curriculum to be able to teach me um and I always found that absolutely amazing I thought you know I would love to do that for somebody else um I'm an only child so I hadn't sort of been around many children or like taught siblings or anything like that um and I kind of just thought no I really I really want to kind of be that person for somebody else and I absolutely loved primary school as well and I think it got to secondary where I really struggled um with particularly with maths but I think just the whole kind of experience of school which I know a lot of people do um but it really drove me to kind of want to teach so yeah I, I had a few other ideas kind of things like driving instructor I wanted to be at one point which I know is quite random but again, <laughs> it comes back to the teaching point again 
um yeah. they're still teaching people something but then you kind of had to be 25 and I was like that's like a few years away it's not really going to work for me I don't think um so yeah I was working in a supermarket and kind of just um thought yeah I really want to kind of go for it but it was one of those catch-22 situations where you really need to have the experience before people employ you as a TA um and I just didn't have any um so it was kind of at that point we think what what kind of do I do really um so I did end up volunteering for a while in a school that said we don't actually employ TAs um but feel free to use us for experience if you like and I thought oh that's interesting but I thought no I you know I will it's a local primary school you know someone that I knew went there um and yeah absolutely just really fell in love with it um and then yeah just through some connections found um a degree that I thought would be really good for me but yeah I, I always wanted to be a teacher but I really wasn't kind of keen on the uni life um so the degree that I took was definitely um the right route for me because it enabled me to do everything I kind of wanted still got to live at home all of those kinds of things yeah um yeah I think as well with what you've stated there I think a lot of teachers now are, or trainee teachers are f- finding their own paths into teaching which is quite quite unique I mean both me and Matt have our own stories of how we actually came into teaching both very different from each other both very different like yours to to a, to a degree as well different from a stereotypical te- teacher route of like I've had this vision of wanting to be to be a teacher like all my life. That's just not been the case. And we had, we didn't leave school to go straight to uni and do a degree in yeah. teaching. We've gone off and done different things and then just fell into it. And similar to you, Katie, that experience in the classroom as working um, when I was working one to one with a child, but I was actually in the in the classroom. Yeah, that was the turning point for me when I was like, yeah, I could do something here, make a real difference, and yeah effectively want want to be want to be be a teacher and I just think Matt's gonna follow up with the question about um where you were and uh more about your your backstory because I think it's really really important for for our listeners to to understand that um that is okay not to just yeah not to do the normal route of teaching because me and Matt haven't and 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 you haven't either yeah I completely agree I took a few years I've, I've had a few people ask me I know Oh, I'm, you know, I'm 25. Is that too late to start training to teach? No. Never too late. Never too late. No age is too late to start training to teach. Um, Matt's just saying that to reassure himself. (laughs) Hey, I'm knocking on 30 and I'm still trying to qualify. So (laughs) don't worry about that. I'll be, I'll be a RQT at 33. Cheers. (laughs) So everyone's journey is different. I think that's, you know it's it's when it's right for you isn't it like like you say yeah. some people go straight into it but I actually I didn't really want to go straight into uni um as I said like uni the kind of uni life wasn't really for me anyway I didn't really want to live away you know I'm a bit of like a home kind of bird you know I just like my own comforts my own surroundings you know I'm an only child I'm like oh it's a bit scary <laughs> <laughs> You at know, least, you're, at least you're honest about it. At least yeah. you're honest about it and you're owning it. That's you know, yeah. <laughs> it's the best way to be, isn't it? And I wasn't much of a drinker. I thought, oh no, I don't think the uni life is really for me. You know, it's the kind, but it was that kind of stereotypical thing that I was thinking about it. Um, and just before you carry on, the drinking part is solidified tonight with me and Sam having a couple of bevs and <laughs> Katie going for nothing. And we even gave her the chance before to go and grab one and she still turned it down. So yeah, we can, uh, we can back that up. <laughs> I thought I was part of like, 
of something that you had to do to pass your NQT year. You had to be an established drinker for being a teacher just to get through the days, to be honest with yeah. you. Jesus. I mean, I'm not saying I'm like that now. Like, definitely <laughs> you know, need a bit of a gin now every so often. But <laughs> no, back then I thought, no, that's not, re- that's not really for me. You know, it's not really kind of my scene. I thought, no, I'd rather just live at home and, you know, do something there. That wasn't, and that's what, that's the only route I thought there was, to be honest, mm. you know, have to live away um and do that and uh, because all of my a levels um i don't know about you but when you sort of get to sixth form it's all geared towards uni and i had got to this stage where i was like i don't want to go to uni but all i was handed was a leaflet and a website it's like not going to uni.com kind of thing (laughs) yeah not really enough to kind of support me in what i want to do because i thought i want to teach i want to kind of do something creative and um something i'm really passionate about but I just really was keep not keen on going to uni. Um, mm. But I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it took me a few years to get into it. But, you know, everyone's journey is different. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I envy sometimes the people that, you know, 21, 22, always knew since they were 18, they wanted to be a teacher, smashed their, their undergrad QTS, teaching at 22. And, you know, by the time they're, they're my age now, 29, they're, head of year or assistant head teacher already, you know, and absolutely flying, got a, got a house, got a mortgage, et cetera. And, so, and sometimes you look and you think, well, fair play to you. I've got one of my good friends at home who I went through the, all my school life with. Uh, my mum works with her mum in a school and uh, always been good friends. And she's same age as me, got you know, head of year, house, mortgage, two kids, you know, set up. And, you know, I was speaking to her a couple of years ago about when I was, thinking of going into teaching and you know she was saying to me she was like you know you're all you're always you always should have been a teacher but you know it just wasn't the right time for you to 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 go into it when you were 21 and or, or whatever age it was and it's it's true you know talking talking to each other and between the three of us there's so many different routes and it your route I think is really unique I, I remember you telling me and Sam about it the other day when we had a little catch-up call and it was is a route that neither of us have heard of before. So um, you mentioned that you're obviously at the supermarket and you were you were working, but tell us sort of how it it, it changed from there and you went into you ended up getting into teaching. Yeah, um, so I was, I was working there for a few years, and I think yeah, just to like reiterate your point, it is so it, you know it really is when it's right for you, um, because I think a lot of people listening might might be in that situation where they sort of think I don't really know what I'm. What I want to do but everyone kind of goes through that stage I think and but even if you don't you know it's just it's just what's right for you you know you you know in your gut what's right um and I just I feel like because I'd taken that bit more time it's made me the teacher I am now um I don't think I'd have been as strong if I was if I'd gone straight into it um I wanted to check that I was right for the job as well as it being right for me you know and vice versa um but yeah, so as I was kind of thinking, mm, not really sure what I want, kind of want to do. I'd, you know, I'd worked in the supermarket for a few years, um, and I thought, this, this isn't what I want to do. <laughs> like, I know that's not what I want to do. Um, but obviously, it, you know, I'd had the job since I was I think sixteen, um, and then I volunteered, as I said, at a local primary school, um, and that was about a year and a half. And kind of somewhere along the way, um, I used to work on the customer service desk. Um, and that was like 
a little bit more responsibility. So I felt like quite important, <laughs> you know, at the front of the store, got the tannoy going. Yeah, you know, nice. I really enjoyed <laughs> that kind of thing. And I actually quite enjoyed um, like winning over difficult customers, um, which is quite strange, but I quite enjoyed it. You know, if they'd come in like really cross and then I'd managed to get them round, I think, oh, that's really good. You know, I've enjoyed that. Um, and I feel like I apply that now. It's quite interesting. Um, but they're, basically the, they're basically the same, you know, yeah. seven year old kids and annoyed 45 year old people in Sainsbury's or wherever. Parents, mate. That, that, yeah. That's the thing yeah, they are the same people. School. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't say that too loud, sir. Christ. That'd be <laughs> <to> you, mate. <laughs> Deco's gone to med, mate, already. Yeah, yeah mate. One glass. Po- podcast is over. <laughs> I'm not getting a job next year. <laughs> oh, no. No, it's so true, though. That's the thing. Like, I, I really enjoy winning over difficult parents as well. I think it's one of my favourite <laughs> yeah. things. I love it. You know, if they... I think, no, if you're, if you're angry, I'm like, no, I really, really want to win you over. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to make sure that you like me. Like, that is my kind of aim. So I really enjoy that. And I really enjoyed that um, when I was working in St. Teresa as well. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, but someone I worked with on the customer service desk actually said to me that she was doing this degree and I'd never heard of it before. Um, and she said, Oh, you know, I'm working. Um, she was working in the supermarket as a TA and training to be a teacher at the same time. So I was like, you're doing a lot. (laughs) How are you doing nothing? You're doing loads. (laughs) Yeah. How are you doing all of these things? That's amazing. And then she sort of said, Oh, I'm leaving you know, you know, got to a certain stage, so I'm leaving now because I've got a job as a trainee teacher kind of thing. And I thought, oh, I really want to do that. And, you know, the way, because I thought you're still working here and doing that. So I thought, how are you managing this? Um, so she sent me the link for the course um, and I looked into it um, and it was, yeah, it was brilliant. And I think at that stage, um, the school I was working at and volunteering at, who'd said, no, we don't take TAs, um, had suddenly gone, oh, we do take TAs now. <laughs> Um, cause they were quite a new school. I think they'd only been opened three years when I'd joined. Um, so they were quite, you know, that small kind of close knit community. And I think they, they were kind of wary about expanding their team because, you know, it's, if you're not careful, so your kind of vision yeah. gets lost, doesn't it? As it kind of grows. Um, but then they kind of thought, no, we, we're seeing a kind of gap and a need for, for teaching assistants now. Um, and they asked me to apply, um, and I got the job there. So I actually started officially working there as a teaching assistant. And I don't think it had been very long um, until, because they'd sort of asked me about my career path. And I said, I would like to be a teacher. And they said, oh, what's the kind of time scale on that kind of thing? I said, you know, probably maybe a year or two, you know, I'll kind of apply next year to uni, that kind of thing. Um, And then this person I'd worked with, you know, who'd sent me this link, I had a look. And it was kind of that time where I'd missed the point to apply normally. Um, but I managed to apply through clearing um, and I'd met with the kind of course leader and she was like um, well yeah like normally we do kind of like a bit of more of a formal interview but she was like I can see that you're really passionate about what about working you know with children um, and you've had you know nearly like two years experience which I think was one of the kind of criteria for joining it you'd have to have some level of experience I think to go into the course yeah um, uni's really great experience which is what nearly yeah. killed me because i am um, i didn't have like any really much experience before i applied yeah. um not in schools particularly and yeah I, it was a struggle to get 
into a uni because of that. So like they they really rate volunteering experience in the classroom or being a TA, for example. Like it seems to be that like if you're looking to go to uni, that tends to be what they're looking for most. Yeah, and I think I can I can completely understand why because it's at the same time it makes it's it's annoying when you want to do something and you think but I don't have the time <laughs> I haven't mm. got I haven't got the experience I need to get it um but it definitely worked in my favor because it it mean it meant that I knew I wanted to do it as well um so yeah I applied through clearing and I think it, I'm sure it was about August kind of time something like that um and then I'd have and then they said yep yeah, you know we'd like to take you for September so it was so quick turning over like that so I sort of went back to my head that I'd just got a job from and said it might be a two years until I kind of trained to teach and I was like actually it's sort of two months you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I was kind of like mm. <laughs> um you know because the way it worked was I worked for four days employed by the school but they had to agree to release me for a day to, tr- to go to uni so um Mondays was the day I went to uni so I traveled to uni um had lectures for the day and then a lot of it was kind of almost like distance learning um, Mm. and kind of completing assignments separately. And they had their own kind of portal and things that you would, you know, get lots of CPD from and things like that. Um, Probably quite similar to now, things like now, you know, a lot of home, well, uh, all our stuff is online. Um, We go to school to teach, but all our stuff for uni is is at home. So I can imagine it was pretty similar to that, but obviously (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) Exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm sort of quite used to it. Really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> to work from home. But that suited me. And they luckily agreed and they said, yeah, you know, you can, you know, go and go and do your, you know, degree. We'll, we'll agree to kind of release you for the day. And obviously it was really good because then I still had the job there. So even if I decided I want to do something else, you know, because um, it wasn't a, a course that you gain QTS from just with the degree. Um, it's a BA honours in learning and teaching but the first it's like a foundation degree and then you do a top-up year so you could some people just start kind of leave after the foundation degree kind of section of it um, and don't do the top-up year but um it was a it was a brilliant course um, I really recommend it to anyone who kind of really wants to get that experience um you know particularly if you want that experience in one school I think it depends on who you are because I think some people really like having all the placements in different schools and kind of experiencing lots and lots of different places so that's probably the only con of it is that you know you're kind Mm. of working in a school so you're staying in that one school and kind of not getting as much wider experience as you would have done otherwise but it was an absolutely brilliant degree and I think um yeah I think you're right I I hadn't really heard of it until and it was literally just word of mouth I wouldn't have found it otherwise which is it's quite strange really isn't it that it's not really widely available yeah definitely and I think just on that, and I'm just actually going to refer to a, a previous point uh, that you spoke about um, when you were at school and um, when you didn't want to go to university and actually uh, the school was like kind of forcing you like to, to go to university. And again, that kind of resonates with me in a way when I didn't want to go to university and they were pushing for me to go to do sp- like sports coaching. But it's like quite a similar message to what a lot of people have said on our on our podcast and you said about it didn't feel right for you and it's the exact mm. same like this time in a month or so we'll be looking for jobs and stuff and a lot of newly qualified teachers uh, get into their head that they've got to accept the first job that comes to them 
even though it doesn't feel right and yeah. they end up in this place and they hate the placement or where they're working and it just doesn't fit and it's not right and some people end up teaching and it's just a really coincident coincidental message that you've said and it correlates with quite a lot of other people and what they've said and I think we, we keep trying to say this to, to whoever's listening make sure that you when you're applying for uh, jobs and schools make sure that you're applying for the ones that, that feel right mm-hmm. and uh, suit suit your needs and, and fit your your vision and, and what you think school should be about and just on as well um, what you said there about your course being really unique and stuff and you said about it you only heard about it from word of mouth but I like I've never heard of this route before into teaching and I just don't understand why it's not pushed out there more for yeah. people to know about because it's such I think a it'd great be a popular way. option wouldn't it I think it'd yeah, be a you're option. getting you're getting well you're getting experience because you're getting paid mm-hmm. for being a TA but then you've got this um uh you're doing the the foundation and the top-up degree as well which will then lead you into doing your school school direct uh Degrees, yeah, that, is that my... yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's it is so strange, isn't it? I think I wonder if it's because maybe some people don't want to go into. I, I don't really know, like go go into being a TA first, like that. Um, it's just kind of because that that for me was like a nice stepping stone into it, because yeah. then I it's, it's essentially like a lot of observation of teachers all mm. the time, isn't it? You know, you're seeing yeah. you're seeing different teachers working with lots of different children you know and I became very good at learn teaching children to learn how to read because that was essentially what my entire job was as a TA um so that don't was fancy, don't fancy teaching Sam do you <laughs> <laughs> I've still got time for that after <laughs> little cheering oh. session <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, I'm, le- I'm learning year two at the moment with the phonics and stuff. Don't you worry. That's, that's why you're thriving in key stage one. You said that the other day. You found your, oh. found your age, mate. That's what, that's I, what you do. I'd be surprised if I don't get offered a job, to be honest with you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you're still modest. That's what we like. <laughs> no, you say about phonics. I, think, I feel like because I had already done that, I feel yeah. like I... Um, because I'd spent so long with year one children teaching them how to read. Um, phonics to some people, like Key Stage 2 teachers, I think it's like a foreign language, isn't it? It's just like, you, you look at it, you think, what? Like, what are these sounds? How do you teach this? It just seems so bizarre. I remember like seeing a split diagraph and thinking, what? You know, what is that? And it's all, it's so funny, isn't it? Um, well, I found it hard to adjust, like even from going from year four to year two, first couple of weeks yeah. of my placement, I was struggling. Well, I think when we spoke, I was, I said I had a bit, bit of a, you know, naff week. Um, yeah. And probably since that, probably since that conversation, that call, it's been, it's got so much better since, I think just having them extra two weeks in, you know, in the class, getting to know them kids better, getting, you know, creating a better relationship with the teacher um, that I was working with, and just actually having more teaching time, it's yeah. like helped me so much more. Like actually, you know, teaching phonics and teaching English, which is what I've been doing most of the time. But just getting up in front of the class and, and doing it, and then getting feedback, just made me enjoy it so much more. And I've, like the last two weeks, you know, my opinion of being in year two has changed so much. Just just for them facts, and 
today I was thinking today, like, you know, it's had such a good week this week. It's almost bittersweet that it's half term because I've, I feel like the last couple of weeks I've really got into a rhythm with that with that key stage one age, whereas at the start, the first two weeks trans, sort of transferring from key stage two, I was like, it, it was a struggle to get into that, that mindset and that frame of mind of stripping everything right back to the basics. And I think... Oh, absolutely. And I just think what, what you're saying there, Matt, I think it comes down to like experience and exposure within the classroom. I think mine and Katie's was a slight difference in the fact that we've come from like a, uh, that experience background. And I just, uh, it, it does help. It, it, it does help. I'm not saying it's going to like make me pass my PGC, but it does stand people in good stead. And obviously the experience that we're getting on a PGC year, like teaching pretty much, most days and stuff with subjects and stuff it that is the mm. best way to learn and i feel like these courses that you you went on katie are severely undervalued and people sometimes o- overlook them whereas you've come from a route that you've got paid as a ta and that's benefited you because uh, the actual course accepted you onto it because of the experience that, that, that you had so a lot of the things that you might experience it in, in in your school's direct year or your PGC year, you're not starting from a blank canvas. You actually know some of the things like simple things like behaviour management, how school uh, policies are and like all, all those safeguarding things as well. It's not a daunting process whereby you're learning everything. You already know quite a lot of the the, the behind the scenes of the school and, ha- and how it functions and, and, and runs. And I think, yeah, I, I just don't think you can ever under, underestimate how important experience is especially in a job like teaching absolutely agree absolutely agree I think as well when I sort of applied for my skip that was one of the main kind of factors in it it was that you know they say well how are you going to handle the workload and I thought well I've already handled the workload because you know I've handled the workload of you know doing doing a degree whilst working at the same time that's you know that's exactly kind of what a skip year is all about is being on the job and still you know doing you know going to um your training sessions you know as well so it's absolutely made me the teacher that I am today and I think I am the, I am the sort of person that wants to go into things fully prepared um even like to even like the minutest detail kind of thing you know even if it's to every lesson will be running in my head before like it even it keeps me up at night even now you're giving but, me anxiety <laughs> I, big time and sam will know that i so i would never get anxiety but listening to you say <laughs> how prepared you are is is making me sweat like honestly that I'm is sorry. the complete opposite of me <laughs> i'm literally i'm literally i am one day at a time like literally oh. i am i'm one day at a time matt, matt, matt is the su- Matt is the the type of guy when it comes to reporting, uh, writing up reports for the end of the year for the children. He will do it the night before. That 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 is the type of guy Matt Matt is. Honestly, they'll still be, they'll still be decent though. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. still be good. He'll somehow pull it out, but yeah, that, that is just how <laughs> Matty operates. <laughs> it's because I know Test cricket's on. That's why. So I'd rather watch that. <laughs> I'm definitely last minute, but not, I mean, oh, like I do thrive off the pressure, but the night before, or actually saying that, my dissertation, I was editing until seven in the morning, doing like headers and footers. I remember doing it, thinking, 
this better not be the thing like the page numbers and the, yeah. <laughs> the this better not be the thing that they pick up on <laughs> that's probably one of the few assignments where i've actually done it early by a good couple oh, of really? weeks and i was i was chuffed at myself i was I was, you know, when you you hand it in, like, I was just like, God, this is such a proud moment for me. Like, I'm not waiting, you know, for like four days, you know, a couple of days or a couple of hours before. I'm like, I've actually organised myself. I've I've done a really good job, and I've handed it in like a month early. Like, well done, me. <laughs> like, I know. I, I was proud of myself. Sam was proud of me. You know, it was a, it was a proud moment. And then now back to reality. You know, last minute. So, cheers, <laughs> you know, it was a one off, and it won't happen again. And I've, I'm okay with that. I've come to I terms mean, with it. It was for a big one though, so I feel like you can yeah. still, be, you know, be proud of that achievement. <laughs> it was worth it. It was definitely worth yeah, it. Yeah. And you know, if you want to talk about my dissertation at any point, feel free because I absolutely <laughs> loved it. You know, <laughs> sounds like that. Not again. Not again. <laughs> Christ. I'm just about um, to end the meeting, mate. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we jump onto the chat about you being an influencer on the gram, which we will definitely touch on, um, you know, you've talked about your passion for teaching. You've talked about how that's developed on your really specific and unique route um, and, and undergrad and, and teaching, uh, you know, and your experience as a TA. Um, you're in key stage one. And that seems to be your passion. Where has that come from and why particularly Key Stage 1? Um, that is a really good question, actually. I do love Key Stage 1. And I feel like teachers... Some people don't agree with me on this, so I'm interested in what you think. I Ooh, feel like teachers Like are, a bit of drama? Like a bit of drama? That's what we want? Yeah, like, this might divide opinion. <laughs> oh, no. Katie's Kay's, going to ruin the <laughs> podcast. Game over. <laughs> it's not that bad. She'd never... Uh, Killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like teachers are either key stage two or key stage one or early years, but you know, I feel like you're either one or the other. Um, I feel like you can be good across them all, but I feel like you have a strength and a skill set and kind of a passion, and your yeah, your strength lies in a certain area. So, um, in my NQT, I actually had my own curveball because I was put into year four. Um, even though I had right, put yeah. on my right kind of one-to-one form, do not put me into year four. <laughs> um, but I thought, no, they're too old and scary. They're they're like as tall as me. Um, because I'm only like five foot two. So, you know, they're like the same height as me. I thought I have no authority over them. Um, and they were like teenagers to me, even though they weren't. Um <laughs> but actually, you know, they put me in there because the kind of the way the staffing restructure worked was it just sort of ended up that loads of people kind of needed and wanted to be in, t- in key stage one. Um, and it was actually a compliment really that I was put into year four. You know, they said, you know, I think you'll actually be really good in year four. Um, and we think you can do a really good job. So um, I did embrace it. And I, fe- I felt like I was a good teacher in year four. Um, and I learned a lot and I'm really grateful for that year. And I probably would teach them again, but I felt like, hmm, I feel like I'm a better, stronger teacher in Key Stage 1. I feel like it's just kind of my nature. I just really like the magic that kind of like Year 1 and 2 have. Um, the way they the see the world. Oh, I just love it. You know, like, if I put, like I did with my class, if I put glitter on a chair in Year 4, they'd just be like, what's that? Whereas, <laughs> you know, Year 1, I pick up a bit of glitter and I'm like, oh, someone's been, and they're like, oh, a fairy's been, you know. 
they're like they just find it so exciting they're really you know hook line and sinker in with you they, you know they believe it and I my favorite kind of lessons are writing hooks um I absolutely love them I did a post about them recently so I you know I love doing like bears in the classroom packages that have come from different book characters um you know like footprints on the floor all of that kind of stuff and like year one and two really get on board with you in that and they're really excited about it and I just love that and I think like, like somewhere along the way that kind of magic kind of slowly slowly dissipates as they become a bit more skeptical and they kind of have that little bit more understanding but I just love key stage one and the kind of yeah just the whole like buzz of the classroom I think is it really allows for creativity as well like some of my favorite things again are like tough trade activities and setting up all the classroom um in that kind of really nice way and I think I I do absolutely love kind of like the kind of standing at the front teaching and I really loved the kind of debate element of um that you could have with key stage two and the kind of banter you can have I did love that um which is why I say I felt like I was good but just not mm. as strong in Key Stage 1. But I'm interested to know what you think, whether you agree, like, teachers are kind of this or this. That's I'm, what I feel. I'm going to go with you and be quite controversial as well, but I think being someone that, as I spoke about earlier, um, had that difficulty transitioning to Key Stage 1 from Key Stage 2, um, whether that's because of experience or not, I don't know, but I feel like the type of person I am, um, naturally I'm, I'm better with with you know at people that are adults for example um I, I feel really confident talking to older people naturally so like hence why i'm doing this obviously um yeah. so like i feel like when i'm in key stage two and i can teach subjects with a bit more knowledge a bit more depth behind them that stimulates me that that intrigues me more and, and when i can sort of probe them with with questions you know give them questions to think about and they can think about it them, themselves independently and then come back at me that to me, it sort of spurs me on. That kind of gives me that that stimulation of being a teacher. And I, I like being at the front. You know, some people say that, like, the, the, the thought of standing in front of, like, a year six class gives them, like, the biggest dread ever. You know, like, these 11-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Whereas for me, like, I love it. Like, I've got, a key, I've got year six in my next placement, and, like, I can't wait. But on the flip side, like, I again, over the last two weeks, I've learned to adjust to that magic and and learn to kind of feed off that magic and that innocence um and i do think that i will be a better teacher for it um and i think that if if my first job for example was an nqt was in year two or year one i still think i'll be good but i just don't think as you say i would be as good as maybe in year four five or six um what do you think sam it's interesting because i think i'd year six for my first placement and I've always kind of said that that's the place that I want to be because I like the challenge of getting the results and getting the, the stats result and have kind of having that as as part of my CV well I'd only put it down if it was successful we, we may, might leave it off if it, if it, were, <laughs> if it, if it wasn't su successful but yeah, yeah kind of, kind of <laughs> what, what you said uh, Katie about like the relationship you have with them is like different banner but I have to say that I've been in key stage one I've had year two and I I, I absolutely love them and I, I've I, it's been so good but the thing for me you know is I realize how much of an actual challenge it is and I think like you talked about like the creativity and magic and stuff the difference in children's ability in key stage one is mad like you've got children who can barely speak you can't mm. write 
you can't do the alphabet, but then you've got kids who are ready to progress into key stage two. But I think, but I think because you're in key stage one, you've got that freedom to be creative in those lessons, whereby you're still engaging those children who are struggling, but still engaging those children who are at the top end because they're still year two, uh, they're of that age. And I just think it's so good because you can be so expressive, active, creative in your lessons, no matter what you're teaching, English, maths, and it's all physical as well. And mm. I, honestly, I've absolutely loved, loved my experience. And yeah, I think I think, I think think a massive part of, part of that is because it's probably about where my, my intellect goes as well. So <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, no comment. No comment. Um, you raise a good point there, Sam. I'm going to actually, you know, again, throw you another little curveball, Katie. This isn't in the script, so apologies. But you said, Sam, there about um, the creativity and the, and the differentiation of, of levels of children, you know, from, from the really high achievers to low ability, you know, still working at reception kind of age, that type of thing. Um, what I've tended to notice in my last couple of placements is the amount of TAs that are employed in the lower key stage one years compared to key stage two. Is that something that you, that you've noticed Katie? And do you think that is because of the the difference in ability compared to maybe when they get to key stage two, they're kind of leveling out a bit. Oh, that's interesting. Actually I would find in my school, it's very different in every year group, really mm. depending on need. So yeah. every kind of year they really look at, each um cohort and kind of think where is the need um you know do we have children that need one-to-one do we have those children that haven't you know they're on their journey to ehcp um so a lot of the tas that we've got in our year group are majority one-to-ones um which obviously then leaves you you know the, the 29 others in the class to then manage all the different abilities yourself. Um, but you're so right. There is a hugely vast range of ability, particularly like in that in key stage one. And I think it's really, it's a lot, isn't it? To try and cater for children that really are like foundation. Um, and then those children that are, you think, God, I could put you into year two class now and you'd be absolutely fine. Um, but that's where I think continuous provision comes in because the environment acts as a third teacher. Um, so I don't necessarily require another TA. I mean, obviously that would be amazing, but- Yeah, I'm not gonna turn one down. But, no, uh... <laughs> not. but the environment as it's set up means that I then work with small groups of children, but the children that aren't with me are still learning and consolidating skills and challenging themselves and doing all these amazing independent things because of the way it's been set up um and that's why I'm so passionate about it as well really why I drove it forwards into year one because um it's so necessary because like Sam is saying with the with the varying abilities you think trying to do <laughs> a writing lesson with 30 children some children can barely hold a pencil and some children can write a whole page how are you catering for that all in one go it's you know near and impossible you've got you know you're sitting with the children that need the most support from you um and then you know you always get those children that kind of really need that kind of support but you kind of they get skimmed over by accident just because you can't be with every single child which is why I'm so passionate about the way we do it because I work with sort of six at once mm. um so they get 
such small group focused teaching all the time that the progress is amazing um so i think in terms of tas particularly i think that's something we've changed that i think has really benefited the kind of ta structure um but it's definitely depending on need i think because i actually think we've got our key stage two has more tas than we have in key stage one yeah yeah yeah. but they are employed on need so you know and they are literally worth their weight in gold <laughs> like oh they are big so time. needed are. i absolutely could not cope without my ta you know even though she's one to one it's i still could not cope without her you know because it's still somebody there to support you even you know sanity not- just sanity like, yeah. well, like when you i was talking to my mentor today about it and just saying like oh, i really hope that when i'm in nqt i have a ta with me yeah. Just, just for the fact that, like, you can bounce ideas off an adult. You're not just like on your own all day with thirty kids. Like, it's it can be. I can imagine it can be quite lonely as an adult. Not lonely in the sense that you're on your own, but lonely in the sense that, like, you're doing all your planning on your own. You're, yeah, everything you, you you're thinking about is is to yourself. Um, you know, the only people you're communicating with are kids that are less than eleven years old. Yeah. Um, so you if you're in key stage one, you're barely holding, you know, proper conversations. I you're talking about when to put your hand up, go to the toilet and, and all that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's, so, you know, I was just thinking like, I would, I really hope that I do have a TA just obviously for the support aspect, but just for that yeah. sanity. And you know what, when, cause you said that, that's made me think about my NQT when I said I was in year four, the TA that I had, had been working there since it was opened. So, and she'd been in year four for years. So I relied so heavily on her for pitch, for differentiation, mm. for lesson ideas. Like I can't even just thank her enough. Yeah. <laughs> because she was, you know, more experienced than I was. So, you know, it's somebody, and it was a really strange dynamic actually, because she was a HOTA. And like a couple of years prior to that, I was supporting her as the TA, you know, when she was teaching in the room and then, you know, fast forward and now I'm the class teacher and she's like my TA. It was so strange, but actually we worked so well together because I was like, I need you. Yeah. <laughs> like, Please you help really me. Understand me for, and I don't have a clue. So I really need the help. But yeah, I think you're so right. You know, it's, it's definitely, you know, for sanity, 100%, like, you know, they get you through, I think. So you know, a good TA is really like invaluable. I think I think one of the interesting points that we've made about TAs and stuff, I think I think majority of schools I would say, like naturally, like the point Matt made earlier about where TAs are placed, I think because kids in year six are older, there is a certain you have a certain expectation that maybe they should take more responsibility for their work. But I also think it stems from like the school culture as well. And you've talked about continuous provision. Now, I, like this is one of my huge beliefs in in how a school should be in like even even the classes. And I think continuous provision is such a good way that you're only working with like six children, for example. But even within that provision, they are working by themselves essentially. So they're learning how to do things by themselves. And I just think those skills implemented at um, the the foundation stages, the nursery and reception, but also as well year one and two, they actually 
are so pivotal to when they progress to key stage two and you might not have as much support as you might need, but because they've got those foundation skills in, in regards to being able to take responsibility for their work, because the work should be differentiated, they should be able to do it by themselves and work it out. And I just cannot, like that is a huge passion of mine and something, yeah, that's something that should be highlighted within schools that children, even at an early age, can take responsibility for, for, for their own work and are actually deceptively switched on at how much they can actually do and how much they understand. That is music to my ears, can I just say, because... I right, see you guys. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go chat to the key stage too, lot. Cheers. <laughs> I uh, honestly, I was listening to that and thinking, hallelujah. <laughs> no, it's so true. And that's why I really pushed it forwards because somewhere along the way, that independence that the children develop and teachers work so hard to build in EYFS goes. And yeah. it's so strange to me why that happens because, you know, even in a staff meeting we had kind of a few weeks ago, we were kind of looking at, um, we use Seesaw to kind of um, evidence observations and things. How really good Seesaw, by the way, yeah, so good. Love it. You know, and the year three teacher went, oh, and, you know, I even trusted, you know, one of my year threes to upload it themselves. And I thought, what? Like, <laughs> all of my children do that themselves from day one. I showed yeah. them a couple of times, off they go. They use my iPad independently. They go and caption their work. You know, they have their independent journals that they write in themselves. They know how to tidy the room themselves. And you, it removes that kind of element of, I don't know what to do when I'm stuck. I don't know what to do because I can't find a pencil. I don't know what to do yep. for this X, Y, and Z. Because that's what you kind of get is that kind of neediness that's just unnecessary, you know, that, that can be developed. And then it, that should continue throughout every year group. Um, and that is something I'm just so passionate about because that's what I saw with year ones when it was a formal setting was the children being like, well, I don't have a pencil. And it's like, well, where do you go to get a pencil? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but because the room is all set up and it's labelled, you've set it up well the children will access it they will learn they will be resilient learners we do a lot of work on kind of learning behaviors and attitudes in our school as well um and getting the children to really um like i said just be resilient and you know learn that it's okay to make mistakes and you know push themselves and learn how to challenge themselves and that doesn't come easily you know that has to keep being reinforced keep being built and continuous provision i think for me is the way to do it you know and to keep building on it i'm yeah. sold i'm sold on yeah. it you two have wrote me in and, and i'm <laughs> done you should you should go sell it sell on the black market <laughs> and i think just i am conscious that i need to move on to the next question but the thing for me that's worrying me is that everything you've said there katie i think the children that are in school right now are getting it the children who are in key stage one who've missed the majority reception nursery year one they are hugely, hugely missing out on these fundamental basic skills because they're at home with their with their parents as such. Yeah. And maybe in some cases, independence isn't being instilled into them in like a classroom environment and to 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 do that to do their own work. And I yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens next, essentially. Um I'm pulling but- some faces here because I am I'm gonna contradict you a little bit. I personally think that it 
having you see so you might you might back me up here katie um yeah. with a school that is using seesaw as a platform don't get me wrong there are a few kids that don't upload the work or don't do the work and there is there is probably i'd say out of 30 well there's about four in schools so out of my class of 30 there's probably about four or five that don't that probably are falling a bit behind because of because of that parental help family situation whatever but the other 20 22 whatever it is at home I think that from what I'm seeing on their seesaw account and what they're learning and doing at home, there's a lot, there's a lot of independent learning that they're doing because of the fact that then their parents are working. The majority of their parents might be working. Um, you know, they know the routine of logging onto zoom, unmuting, muting, you know, leaving a, we have break rooms in our Zoom calls. You know, I'm in year two, so these kids are six years old. They know how to leave the break room. Come on. They know when to mute, unmute. They know what time to be on. They know what work they've got to be get done by the end of the week, this sort of stuff. And so for me, I think there's a lot of children that I think are really benefiting from the flexibility of learning from home and the, and the fact that there's such, there's less time constrictions in terms of, you know, right, we've got 45 minutes of English, then we've got break, then we've got 45 minutes of maths, then we've got lunch, then we've got 45 minutes of art, then we've got playtime, then we've got 45 minutes of PE, then they're going home. If they don't get it in that 45 minutes, they don't get it. Whereas yeah. at the moment, they've got 20 hours, you know, 15 hours in the day. If mm. they want to start an English project at eight in the morning and they start for 20 minutes and they're like, well, I need a, I need a break now. They'll go for a break, then they'll come back and spend another hour, hour and a half on it finish it understand it get it done um and i just think that whilst yeah they're obviously lacking a certain things in the actual teaching aspect i think that in terms of the them producing the work the ones that are doing it i think are benefiting from that extra time and that extra flexibility and that that sort of independent mm. aspect of it i see both it's quite interesting i think it depends on the situation i do i agree with both of you actually i think some of my children i think I mean, there's definitely benefiting in terms of the work because some of them are almost getting one-to-one -one support in that sense, which I suppose yeah. then are kind of, it's not building that independence for learning. However, you know, because we're, we're not there, you know, we don't know what, you know, how much support is being given to the children yeah. at home. But I think you're right. I think it's really, it's it's good to give that flexibility and freedom to children because if you think about us as adults you know there's certain times we think I'm not in the right space to learn right now you know I'd I don't really want to you know look at a powerpoint for 45 minutes you know and they can stop and come back and I think yeah I think you're right it's kind of giving them that time when they think they're ready because we do live lessons twice a day and I, you know, I've had a, spoken to a couple of parents, and it's only minimal, but you know, it's still affecting some of them because all the children are completely different. You know, and the parents are sort of saying, "Well, they're not really in the right headspace to learn at ten and eleven, but you know, a bit later on or a bit earlier on is fine." So some of the parents just watch our lives to be able to teach it. Yeah. You know, so it's it's making it work for you, isn't it? But I think, yeah, I think the independence building is just so so important, and it is something we're going to be really mindful of when the children come back to school and really conscious of um because yeah. it is just at the heart of what we believe in in year one and i think that's the, the, we know 
we've got, got to get on to the next question, otherwise I feel like we could be on this this particular <laughs> topic all day. I've but, bit my tongue, Matty, because I'm, yeah, I'm not going to say I know, more, you've done well. I, I, saw you ni- I saw you nibbling at the mic, you're like that. Ah. <laughs> I know. But, uh, we'll leave it, we'll leave it for another day. <laughs> but, you know, let's go on to, let's go on to, you know, how we connected on the gram. Uh, fantastic account at Katie's Classroom, if you're not following loads of ideas and it links really nicely into this continuous provision that you're talking about um, and that's how we you know we came across you and that's why um heather mccavin on our last step or one of our f- previous episodes talked about you particularly said that the brilliant work you're doing um on instagram and do you think that first of all just talk about your account briefly in terms of the continuous provision pro- posts and what you're posting on there particularly for key stage one um and also do you feel like that aspect of your account you know the continuous provision and the focus on on that side of things has really boosted your profile yeah definitely um the type of things i post so you know if if i was to describe my account to somebody i would say um it's often kind of um inspiration and kind of ideas for uh, independent learning or kind of adult directed setups that I do so um, I, I really love a tough tray <laughs> you'll see a lot of tough trays on my um, account and I really love um, maths tough trays in particular I think um, they're just re-engaging and I just love the kind of practical element of maths as well so you'll find a lot of maths tough trays um, recently I've been sharing a lot of kind of remote learning starters um, I think I do a lot of stories as well. I think I kind of run through a lot of lessons and kind of sequencing of things. Cause I think to me, it's kind of just what I'm doing every day, but you know, the kind of feedback that I get, you know, comments or DMS or people that kind of interact with me, you know, they say, Oh, this has really, really helped me. And then that kind of kind of boosts you to keep going forwards with it. And you think, Oh, it's that it, it is useful for people then. And then I think, what do I find useful on other people's accounts? Well, I really find it useful when I do see a whole progression of lessons and how that's a sequence, you know, and how you're setting up your room and what does it look like in its entirety? And what's your timetable? You know, all those kind of questions that you really want to ask your favorite accounts. I wanted to share for people um and continuous provision is something that i had introduced um last year we'd kind of um alice rice claire kind of said it's like a three-year kind of cycle so you sort of have a go the first year make a lot of mistakes don't really do it right second year you're really fully going for it and then you third year you kind of polish it so we're kind of in the second year of doing it um we introduced it um but without real any real knowledge you know in in hindsight it was going in so blind um mm. about what we were doing um sometimes that's and, a good thing though because you, yeah. you've got less yeah. you're less skeptical you just kind of throw yourself in it and if it works it yeah. works if it doesn't it doesn't whereas sometimes if you know or if you know a bit of information you're kind of like this could not work so you kind of yeah. hesitate a bit yeah I think you're right and I really threw myself into it and I thought no I really want to learn and I'm a very reflective person naturally as it is you know so if any, if something's sort of not working, I think, right, I'll change that up. What is it that's not working? You know, even if it's to do with a setup that I've done in the classroom and no one's gone to, I think, why? You know, what is it that the children aren't really engaging with? Do they need a bit more modelling? Do they need a bit of this? You know, are they just not interested in that? Um, is there something more exciting in the room that they want to go to instead? Um, but yeah, I'm very reflective as a person. So we kind of, I started by sort of changing the room around a little bit. 
creating kind of little stations, but it was more tabletop kind of provision, very much adult directed. So there wasn't any real free choice. They could choose, but it was from things that I had put out, um, which isn't really continuous provision at all. Um, if it's all adult directed, um, yeah. it needs to have some child initiated, you know, aspect to it. Um, and then sort of lockdown came around and that was when my account really took off the ground. Um, so I'd been, I think I'd had a look back cause I, I thought actually I want to know what the stats were myself cause I find it really interesting. Want to so know what the fans want. You want to know what the fans <laughs> want. That's it. So <laughs> Definition of a social influencer right here. <laughs> oh, influencer. You're, no. too intelli- you're too intelligent to be an influencer. It's fine. We won't oh. put you in that category. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so last January, I had 2,000 followers. <clears throat> um, and that was when I'd gone on a continuous provision course, um, something that I found through a colleague and, you know, they'd said, oh, this might be something you're interested in. You know, and it was literally like how to set up continuous provision in your year one class. And I thought, oh, absolutely perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, my school said, yeah, go for it. You know, let's, you know, let's, see what it's about um and then that was so inspiring I thought this is pure magic I absolutely love it um because my class weren't really settling in very well and I thought this is what they need um and it was it was then for me like what's the nitty-gritty then because I think a lot of people kind of go on a course and you get really inspired and you kind of think what but how do I actually do that how does it actually work in practice and I that I was ending up with a lot of questions and that's what I wanted to remove for other people. So that's why I decided to share absolutely everything. So what I was ordering, how I changed the classroom around, um, what it looked like before, um, you know, what areas I put in place, what CPD I'd been doing. And lockdown gave me that time. Obviously, I was still working, but, you know, we were on like a three-week rotor, so there was like a week off every sort of yeah. three weeks. And I just dedicated that time. And I thought, I've been given the gift of time really here to really throw myself in and learn everything I possibly can. So I bought books, I went on training. And luckily, because it was lockdown, everyone was doing things virtually. And a lot of people just wanted to share more information naturally anyway, because they wanted something to do. So, you know, so there was a lot of things kind of coming out. And I thought, this is perfect for me. And then again, I just shared it all. So then with that, just sort of developed the following. Um, So I gained a thousand followers in that month so by the end of february it was at three thousand and then kind of moving on to may it was then at five thousand and then that was this was the crazy kind of time because from may to july i gained five thousand followers so i'd ended up from five thousand to ten thousand in july and i remember seeing all the kind of notifications just popping up and every day it was like plus a hundred and i was thinking what like that's absolutely mad it, it's even wow. now like, with 20,000, it doesn't seem like 20,000 people. <laughs> it sort of doesn't really compute with me at all. It's crazy. But because I think because I took people on that journey, everyone loves the before and after, you know, yeah. that transformation. Um, and I think that's what I kind of shared. And that's what I think I was sort of putting in place what a lot of people wanted to do. But again, didn't really know how. And I was trying to answer all those questions along the way and learn with people. Um, and I think that was what was fundamental in kind of the growth of my account. Um, but it was absolutely mad. <laughs> and I think, I just think fair play to you because you have 
this clear passion and drive for continuous provision, you've done the graph for it, graph for it. You've been on these courses, you've read, you've read about it. And I think as well, I think you've reflected there. I just think you were learning at the same time. And that's something quite refreshing because you were learning as part of your Instagram journey. And I think some people are sometimes scared about not knowing and then not being able to post because they, they don't know. But whilst you were do, doing this journey, you, you are actually learning at the same time. And I just think as teachers, like you've said before, that like you're incredibly reflective. That that's I like being doing that at the end of my lessons. I, I'm always thinking, oh, what can I do better? What What went wrong sort of thing? And I don't think that that's nothing to be ashamed of. I think that's natural for being a teacher. And I think some people worry about, oh, that lesson went wrong. Something, something little went wrong. That's fine. As long as you can, as long as you can literally admit to that going wrong or something you can improve on for the next lesson, yeah. that is all, that is what teaching is. And like you said as well about you introduced it because your class needed something else completely and changing around the classroom. And it goes back to fitting the needs of individual children and, and classrooms and everyone's going to be different, but yeah, you, you, you took the jump essentially in, in sharing that journey with Instagram, uh, with, with Instagram. And I think it's helped a lot of people and, Fair play to you, Katie. You, you smashed day, yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely smashed it. Yeah, it's so clean as well. It's a clean profile, which is what I really enjoy. Just so nice on the eye. You know, nice, <laughs> nice colours. Yeah, nice videos. Good writing. Yeah, just, just so aesthetically pleasing. I think, but yeah, no. Like you say, I think, I think the the realism uh, of the journey, the the honesty of the journey, the fact that you were learning on, on the way and the passion that came with that, I think it's probably come across in your videos and in, and in, you know, what you were, what you were putting out there. And I think that understandably people like ourselves have responded in the way we have, because it's, it, you know, it's one it, interesting to start with two, it works, which again is a, is a huge plus and three, you know ultimately the children benefit from it and that's that's ultimately what we want as teachers and if 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 there's ideas that are really that are really good people will latch onto them and you know what you're what you're portraying and what you're showing and the ideas that you're giving out to people is that so yeah you know it's it's a testament to you and a testament to your profession really i think it's you know i just enjoy watching the videos i just enjoy watching them i mean whether I actually put them into my practice or not is a different matter entirely, yeah. but I do enjoy watching it regardless. <laughs> and I think, I think what, what, what Matt says ties in quite nicely with, with the, with the next question, because it's all about learning and stuff. And obviously we're training teachers doing our PGCEs, other people are doing other, other routes, like doing the normal BA schools direct route. Um, what would, what are your top tips for training teachers um, this year or as well for us? we're applying for jobs soon so what would your what would your top tips around that be i think um definitely being reflective is one of the main things i think that gets teachers quite far um and i think you're right like learning and admitting and kind of taking ownership of all of the things that you're doing and like it's like we say to the children isn't it you know mistakes are good you know you actually learn learn from that and it's really important to kind of make mistakes and I think your training year your NQT year that's the time to try things um I think the the main tips for me is like 
definitely reflect all the time ask for advice I think you can never ask for too much I think be annoying and go and ask definitely do it because I was yeah. that person who's asking questions all the time there's no such thing as a silly question and it only benefits you and it also shows people that you're really keen and want to further your practice you know because I think a lot of people think oh I, but I am being annoying and I am you know being a burden on somebody but you're absolutely not you're showing that you're keen you're showing that you're willing to try new things um I'm actually an NQT mentor um this year and I had a trainee teacher last year that I mentored as well um and I absolutely love that and I think you know the biggest advice that I gave was always go and ask subject leaders go and ask to observe as many people as possible because observing and then doing it and putting it into practice and learning from it is the best way to to kind of learn on the job and I think it is so hard this year and last year particularly to train you know so props to both of you honestly it's it's such a crazy year to be doing that and I say this to my NQT all the time I'm like this will only make you a better teacher <laughs> because that's what we're hoping anyway <laughs> that's what we're hoping trust me <laughs> trust me because you know we're being thrown into a situation that we never thought we would have to be in you know yeah. to teach live you know to do all of these mad things you know it's something we never thought we would have to do and I think teachers are so adaptable and you know moldable and it's it's amazing I think embrace as you know as tough as it is it will only make you a stronger teacher so I think embrace the kind of as many observations you as you can do do them as many questions as you can ask you know and as many things that you can see that you put into practice is only going to be a good thing um yeah. but honestly you know anyone who's training this year or doing their NQT year wow what a year to remember to be doing it <laughs> yeah so really great advice really great yeah. advice and you've hit the nail on the head to be fair hit the nail on the head for me and I just just think uh quickly as well I think what you said there I think both me and Matt are in agreement that we're actually loving the experience this year I don't think we we've said openly on our podcast I said as well on, on the chat that I had with 10 minute teach that I have no complaints about this year I'm lucky that I've got a routine that I'm in school and if anything like, like you said this is going to make us better mm -hmm. teachers and actually mold us to what is actually going on in the world in, in the real world right now because the world is based around technology you you can't escape that and I think learning these skills and passing these skills on to children is actually going to better equip them in in yeah. their life in the, in, in the future and definitely yeah no I think both of you have made a really good point just talking on, on this year and I think embracing it is you know everything for what it is as teachers and for me personally I actually really enjoyed teaching online um and uploading the lessons online I think it's a it's a different skill set that that we've learned and I think down the line it's going to set you know trainee teachers and NQT in good stead because ultimately we're getting skills that no other teachers have had um at the beginning of their career you know and for teachers that are in their you know mid 40s 50s no disrespect but obviously they're not going to be as technologically savvy as as we are due to the fact they've not grown up with it so I think there are again obviously it is tough but I think there are going to be long-term benefits for for trainees and teachers like ourselves. So yeah, you know, you just you just really hit the nail on the head with the with the advice that you've given. Um, not just them, but throughout the episode, you know, it's been fantastic, and I think uh, a lot of people are gonna are gonna really benefit from from listening to you.
for longer than maybe a minute or a minute and a half that they get on your Instagram videos. You know, at least this time they've got they've got a full hour of you. So um, hopefully they'll uh, they'll enjoy what they've heard. <laughs> I'm sure they will. No, but um, I was going to say that we've got a couple. Of, we've had a couple of questions in, but the questions that we've had in, you've kind of answered. One was on uh, continuous provision, um, and another one was on just what you really enjoy about being in key stage one, which I think you've highlighted again, you know, the magic and the creativity and, and all that side of things. Um, so, but, you know, to round off the episode, I mean, I've had an absolute joy chatting to you tonight, Katie. Um, I was excited. I was pumped because it was half term anyway, but getting you on it, it's, it's just, it's just added it to a new level. You know, I think the people that are going to listen to it, obviously the thousands of people that are going to listen to it because they'll be following <laughs> you anyway, you know, naturally. Um but they're going to learn so much from speaking to you and hearing your your story and hearing your your passion for continuous provision um, and your love for key stage one. And I think people are going to learn a lot from it. And I think people are just going to enjoy hearing hearing from you for a bit longer. Um, you know, so for me, it's you know I've I've loved having you on. I know Sam's going to back me up in a second with that. But please do go and follow um, Katie on Atlet Katie's Classroom on Instagram. Like I say, if you're not already, which I'm sure you will be, but um, go and follow her. And if you are following her, head over and follow us, more importantly, at yeah. tomorrow on uh, Instagram. We're only about 18,000 behind, so do feel free to chuck us a follow. Um, <laughs> give us a like. And uh, obviously on Twitter as well, at TFC Pod, do follow us there as well. And for you listeners that have stayed for the whole hour, go on to Apple, give us a little rate, give us a little review, and do Thank subscribe because it, uh, it, it, you know, Without sounding needy, it helps us a lot. You know, we, yeah. we get a lot of really great feedback on Instagram and in the DMs and, and people, you know, comment on our posts and, and things like that. But, you know, just to, to go and give that little five star on, on Apple and um, leave a little review, it really means a lot to us. So please do take the time to do that. It would be great. Um, if not for our benefit, do it for Katie because, you know, you've obviously listened to talking to her. So, um, but before Sam jumps in, you know, have you got anything to say, Katie? But other than thanks for coming on. thank you it's been so lovely it's really just made me like put me in such a nice mood and it's really kind of like set the half term off in a nice way so it's really lovely to speak to you and just yeah just like it's really nice to just kind of share isn't it and I think I love having that kind of professional dialogue with people and just chatting about I mean I all I do is talk about work so absolutely (laughs) love it it was you know and it's been really nice to be on a podcast as well I really enjoyed it so thank you so much that absolute pleasure and i just think yeah what matt said about yeah if any of our followers are not following you which i actually don't think is the case so yeah (laughs) if you're not following katie's classroom please please go and follow uh katie's classroom but katie it's been an absolute pleasure and for me matt we are we are in a privileged position with this podcast like we just feel like we learn so much in every episode that we do and we ironically before the start of setting up this podcast we we did a little survey about how long podcast should be and stuff and people were like saying 40 minutes but then that went out the window first episode and just (laughs) connecting with people like you and like academics and stuff we can't cut you off after 40 minutes because the conversations are so interesting they're so beneficial and for trainee teachers like us it would be wrong for us to be like, nah, Katie, just stop talking. You're talking too much now. Like, it's done. It's done. But no, it's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, yeah thank you so much for, for your time that you've given this evening. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Take care. See you next time. Cheers.
To get in touch with us following the latest podcast episode, head over to at the Teachers of Tomorrow on Instagram or over on Twitter via at TFT Pod.